Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Hey, everybody. We got a great one today. You know, for a change, David Axelrod joins me again. Last time David was on the podcast, uh, we did it with Cecile Richards, a longtime head of Planned Parenthood, a few days before the 2022 midterm. And David was very pessimistic about that one and thought there would be a red wave. Cecile predicted that Democrats would do way better than the polls were showing because of the Dobbs decision and the issue of, of democracy. I took the courageous, sensible position and said that I didn't know what was going to happen, but I added that I didn't trust what I was hearing in the polls and that Cecile just might be right, and she was. I was spot on. Biden had one of the four best midterms since and including the 1934 FDR midterm. George W. Bush picked up seats in 2002 after he decided to go to war in Iraq and Afghanistan after 9-11. John Kennedy won seats in the House and the Senate in 1962, just days after resolving the Cuban Missile Crisis without a nuclear war. And Democrats had a great midterm in 1934 after FDR had started the New Deal and saved the country, and then Biden. So, W, JFK, FDR, Biden. Of course, that was 2022, and, and this is now. And we've been getting some conflicting messages about the 2024 election. And uh, David Axelrod, I guess you might well be aware, sounded an alarm that what he saw in the New York Times-Siena Battleground States polls raised an issue that couldn't be ignored, Biden's age. Now, David acknowledges that Biden has achieved an amazing amount of good stuff in his first term, getting COVID shots into the arms of a couple hundred million Americans in pretty short order, the biggest infrastructure bill since the Eisenhower administration, an almost $400 billion investment in addressing climate change, finally, finally allowing Medicare to negotiate with pharmaceuticals to get the cost down for seniors, including $35 a month. Uh, on insulin. Real real accomplishments. And I would argue that Biden has led the coalition behind Ukraine against Russia in a brilliant way, and now sorting through a complex and heartbreaking war in the Middle East. And you may disagree with exactly how this has been playing out in Gaza. How, how can there be absolute agreement on exactly how to deal with this impossible situation? But you can see the president and his team working with countries in the region to try to prevent this from spreading into a regional conflict. Yeah, but does he have the energy of a Donald Trump? Well, what kind of energy are we talking about? And, and how much energy does it take to be Trump, really? He gets up, whatever home he, it is, Mar-a-Lago, Bedminster, 
Trump Tower watches Fox and Friends in his bathrobe while they show edited clips of Biden landing on a foreign tarmac and asking an aide, where am I going? And Trump loves these clips because they edit the shit out of them and make Biden look disoriented and senile. Here, here's the thing, though. When I was in the Senate, I would ask my staff where I was going about nine, ten times a day. Why? Because I wanted to know where I was going. When, when the president asks an aide, where am I going, what that usually means is what microphone do I use or what's the right camera angle or which of these people I've never met before am I supposed to shake hands with first. See, the president's a busy man, and I'm willing to bet that when Trump was president, he probably asked this question a lot, but MSNBC and CNN didn't make a lot of, a lot of hay out of it because they knew it was, it was trivial. Anyway, Trump gets dressed, puts on the extra-long tie the way that Trump likes it for some reason. Maybe he thinks it makes him look thinner and sends a subliminal message, which is, I have a longer tie than you do. He gets into his private elevator and rides down to the lobby, gets out, walks 20 feet to a waiting limousine. He rides in the limo, where Fox has already been turned on, calls Steve Ducey to compliment him on that morning show, especially the, the funny clips. He gets to Teterboro. He's driven out onto the tarmac about 10 feet from the Trump jet. Once on board, he sits down in a seat. And since he's worked up quite an appetite due to all this activity, he immediately served a cheeseburger with fries. On the plane, he watches more Fox and makes another call complimenting Sean Hannity on last night's show and runs a few nicknames by a worshipful aide like Crooked Joe and Beijing Biden. More Fox before he lands in Altoona, Pennsylvania, where he gets off the plane, walks down some steps this time, goes another 10 feet into a waiting car, door open, and rides to a Trump rally where 15,000 MAGA fans are waiting for him. He takes a short walk up some stairs, and boom, he's on stage. Okay, so far, not a lot of energy expended. Really no more than you or I would use up taking a shower or walking to the mailbox. But once he's out there on the stage in front of cheering Trumpers, that's where, and I've got to admit, he does display a certain amount of energy. But see, it's, it's energy that he's getting from the crowd. Because the thing about Trump is that he is an energy vampire. In order to be energetic, he must suck energy from his hapless victims, and he pretty much admits this. He, he likes to say that he's a performer. I get energy, my energy from you. Like Count Dracula, who had the power of hypnotism, Trump has a bunch of tricks for drawing energy from the crowd, like whipping them up with the brand-new epithets, uh, Beijing Biden, uh, each crowd is like a giant focus group and, and since he absorbs their energy he learns to repeat whatever they cheer for and he loves doing it and nothing he says is too ridiculous he talks for an hour and a half which would require a lot of energy if what you were saying makes sense is fact-checked and if you choose your words carefully if it had a beginning middle and an end and wasn't just all middle but what Trump says isn't accurate or carefully phrased or finely wrought. It's the exact opposite of that. It's flooding the zone with shit, as Steve Bannon coined it, watching the audience devour the shit with gusto and getting the energy off that to store what shit played well with the crowd. Crowds coming to support their guy will learn things like 
how Mexico built the wall and paid for it, or how when he arrived at the White House, the Obama administration had run out of ammunition. He's like an addict. He, he has to give his audience bigger and bigger lies in order to get high. But he may be getting to the point where his lies are so extreme that he can't go any further. Like, lately he's been saying he will end the war in Ukraine in a day, and the Mideast in two, and then he delivers his new big line, the big one which he's been saying over and over and over. I'm the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent, and very easily, World War III, very easily. And you're going to have World War III, by the way. You're going to have World War III. If something doesn't happen fast, you're going to have World War III. This is the ultimate Trump. Only I can prevent World War III. If, if you believe that only Trump can prevent World War III, you kind of have to support him, right? I mean, I would support him because World War III would mean the death of you, your family, all your loved ones, everyone you know, everyone they know, people you can't stand, your pets, adorable pets from nature documentaries, all life on Earth. So maybe this is far, as far as he can go. He's finally found the bottom. But the implication is that Biden can't stop World War III because he doesn't have the energy to do it. Meanwhile, while Trump's saying all this stuff, Biden is on the phone with Secretary of State Blinken, who is meeting with the Sheikh of Qatar, trying to prevent Hezbollah from attacking Israel. I'll grant you that conducting delicate diplomacy on the phone doesn't sound like it takes a lot of energy. It only requires decades of experience, sound judgment. I know. Boring. So ironically, even though it's Biden who has been working tirelessly to prevent World War III or merely a horrible regional war, you don't see it. You don't see that energy. He doesn't prevent World War III the way Superman would by flying in the air and grabbing hold of a supersonic nuclear missile and directing it so that it crashes harmlessly into the sun. That would take a lot of energy, and everyone could see it. So Donald Trump, on a net energy basis, gets much more energy from the crowd than they get from him. And here's how I can prove that. At most Trump rallies, about 40% of the audience is gone before the end. It takes energy to listen to Trump. And everyone leaves knowing even less than when they came. But they leave happy. They leave Trump fans. He's done all kinds of amazing things they didn't know about, like preventing World War III, but now they're getting sleepy. And as for Trump, he tries to finish strong, maybe by saying something about how the media is corrupt or how the 2020 election was stolen, or maybe he brings back the, the Beijing-Biden line if it worked the first time and the second and the third time. He takes the plane home, gets back to his apartment, puts his bathrobe back on, orders another cheeseburger, and flips Fox back on. Meanwhile, Biden is in the Situation Room trying to negotiate a humanitarian pause and a hostage exchange in Gaza, using the Saudis as an intermediary. Now, a lot of you may say that's not really fair. Biden's the president. That's what he's supposed to be doing. But the thing is that when Trump was president, he didn't do any of that. Instead, he sat in front of the TV in his bathroom and tweeted crazy things that got him booted off Twitter. Well, I guess I'm in a bad mood. 
but not because we don't have a great one today. You know, for a change, David Axelrod. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example, let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that means that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. David, thank you. Sure. Sure. You're in New York. You were doing the debate last night. The, uh, yes. What do, you, what do you call it? The silver medal debate? The silver medal debate, yeah. Uh, and, and who won the silver medal last night? This is the Republican debate. Yeah. Well, I think Donald Trump probably won it. Again. I think for the, thir- for the third consecutive time. Uh-huh. You know, he made a clever calculation that if he didn't show up, he would not be the principal target and uh, the audience would be smaller and he's got a lead and he's <laughs> going to. And that was a good that was a that was a shrewd calculation. Um, but of the contestants who were there also for the third straight time, Nikki Haley probably was the standout performer. I actually thought Chris Christie had his best debate, but it's obviously in, in vain. You know, DeSantis did a better job than he has. He's, he's a strange character, and that comes through even on a good night. But neither he nor Haley did what they needed to do, which was kind of put the other one away to some degree. They're fighting desperately for the silver medal. Is the silver medal for her uh, the Veep nod? I mean, is that... I, 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 you know, that's a calculation that she would have to make. Because Nikki Haley's 51 years old, you either elevate or diminish yourself in these processes. She has elevated herself. The question is whether she wants to attach herself to Trump, which has not exactly been a career builder for anyone else, (laughs) or whether she wants to uh, wait for the post-Trump era and take a gamble that uh, we still have a democracy. Well, it, it, the post-Trump era, uh, hopefully, he'll have been a one-term president, and so democracy will still be here if uh, if Trump doesn't win again. Right, of course. But uh, 
you know, one way or the other, the question for her is whether or not it's best to wait is to whether uh, she wants to be Pence. go for twenty twenty eight. Yeah, whether she wants to take the risk of being Pence. Uh, you know, she proved herself. She was probably the shrewdest Trump appointee. I mean, she got out early and she uh, got out smart. So she wasn't tainted in the way that others were. And he and she had she managed to avoid his ire on the way out the door, preserving her optionality, you know, within the party that he dominates. So I don't, I don't know. That's a tough calculation. The other thing is that Trump could go down in a in a blaze here, and do you want to be you know sitting in the back seat? Or as you say, the the democracy uh, ends. I mean, we will not be the same country if he wins. I think that's pretty clear. I mean, we already see Al. You've been reading, I'm sure, with interest, uh, his plans for you know demolishing the federal government and replacing it with an army of loyalists. Uh, yep. who will respond to him and not their oath. Yeah, this is getting people like Jeffrey Clark. Yeah, exactly. Like, And and, and it's all through the government. You know, he's not going to bring General Mattis. He's going to bring General Flynn. He's going to start where he ended. He's not going to start yeah, where he and, started. And, you know, it's very, very clear that he is uh, on a vengeance tour here. And uh, he's going to want to use the power of the federal government to seek reprisals on uh, all of his political enemies. So I don't know where uh, where you fit on the list, Al, but... I think I'm pretty low on it at, at this point. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> well, I hope that it doesn't come to that, and that's why we've got to win, and that's why you made a little bit of news this past week. Yeah. Uh, and, and let's talk about that yeah. in response to those head-to-head polls. Yeah, it, it wasn't just in response to the polls, but it was also in response to what I thought has been kind of a conspiracy of silence about the, the, the magnitude of the challenge and the obstacles, uh, the, the unique obstacles that, uh, that we face. I think Joe Biden has done a great job, and I think he has accomplished things that uh, will have generational importance. Just on infrastructure, it's the biggest yeah. infrastructure package since since Eisenhower. Yes, and you know you 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 know you know very very well because you 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 were a lawmaker. Any president would have loved to have that. The climate investments historic, almost four hundred billion, and that should be an enormous issue in this, with especially with young people. Um, and uh, people have grandchildren like you and I. And, you know, there are a series of things that, uh, you know, the chips, the manufacturing bill is is important and will pay dividends. Semiconductor. The, yeah, the... I mean, all of that. So that that is not an issue to me. And I've said if you gave me Joe Biden and lopped off 15 years, I, I despite the polls, I would have every confidence. But that's not where we're at. And it's so it's a more more competitive situation. This sort of what me worry kind of attitude, you know, calling people who have concerns bedwetters and so on. Right. I find offensive. I mean, there's too much at stake to be glib and kind of insulting about the whole thing. And so I felt like it was important to say, 
to say what I said, which I said very carefully. I mean, I chose my words carefully. I am not uh, in any way suggesting that anyone should challenge the president in a primary. Uh, I think he would win the nomination in any such race for those who, who were even considering do, it. Do you see anybody, uh, I mean, since, since uh, um, that was a week ago that you uh, wrote that, or last Sunday, actually, I guess. Yeah. Feels like a week, yeah. Yeah, it feels longer even because there's been an off-year election where we did extremely well. Yes. I don't see anyone. I, Dean Phillips, of course, has... Uh, you mean, do I see someone in. jumping in the race? Yeah. Um, absolutely not. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, the only the only thing that would change the situation is if the president himself decided, you know what, I think it's it's not in the best interest of the party and the country for me to move forward. You know, I don't see any indication that he is going to do that. And in some ways, you know, he's made it almost impossible because we are at such a late date here. But I do think that we should be sober about the nature of the challenge. And not just because, you know, Trump, uh, I mean, how many times have we said, oh, he'll never get away with that? Oh, yeah. I I thought that once he starts getting indicted, boy, that's the, that'll right. be it. And now and then I started thinking, OK, uh, well, once he starts getting convicted. I, I do think in that poll, it, it did say he went down six points when people were asked if, if he was convicted. Yes, I know. I did. I did see that. And we'll see. see that. We'll see that. Only we'll, six. You know, this is an amazing situation. I mean, if you had said 10 years ago, if you had spelled out this scenario, people would have laughed or dismissed you out of hand. I mean, there is a chance that is a non-trivial chance that Donald Trump, given the, the court calendar and the election calendar, Donald Trump could uh, clinch the nomination, become the nominee of the Republican Party on just about the very same day that he becomes a convicted felon for conspiring to overturn a free and fair election. You can run for president from prison. You can, it's but I mean, do, the, it's hard to do. He, the uni, that's going, why the Unabomber didn't do it. Exactly. Yes, I know. But that was after careful consultation with a cadre of advisors. <laughs> yes. um, but um, they're going to go to Milwaukee and they may be lifting a convicted felon as their candidate. It's, it's incredible. But when people just let's even take the 6%. We were discussing this last night on CNN. You know, this guy, whatever you think of him, Whatever you think of him, he does have a feral genius, you know, for manipulating the environment. And he understands the media at, at a very high level. And he is a first class demagogue. And he will, uh, you know, he, he is already, I think, 70 percent of uh, the Republicans say, you know, these, these are politically motivated indictments. He was down in Florida last night telling a bunch of Cuban-Americans that, you know, this is exactly what they did in your country. Corrupt leaders, you know, trumping up charges and throwing their political opponents in jail. And you know what? He got a really good response. The idea that it will take care of itself is not the case. And, you know, my hope in sort of saying what I said was to kind of 
snap people out of this kind of false casual sense about this whole thing. Yes, to get the president to reflect on it, but also what, what's very clear from this polling, unless something changes dramatically and the biggest thing that's plaguing the president, he can't change. This president, like most presidents, cannot win a referendum. If he's asking for an up or down vote on his presidency, as, as great as his accomplishments might be, uh, he's not going to win, even against Trump, especially with third party candidates involved who will lower the ceiling. I mean, Trump's never got more than 46% of the vote, but if you've got a bunch of third party candidates in there, 46% of the vote could be enough. Uh, So, you know, they've got to, in my view, very, very quickly and every day, turn this into a comparative race and shine a big light on what's on the other side of the fence. You know, I I thought uh, spending the fall and a significant amount of money heralding the economy and branding it as Bidenomics was probably a mistake. I mean, you know, his numbers didn't go up, they went down. But the bigger thing was, you can't jawbone people into feeling what they don't feel. And, you know, Al, you're a sophisticated marketer. If 75% of the public says the product isn't good, probably you don't want your name on it. You know, I, I just think they have to get a lot more aggressive and well, there are limit. He has limitations. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I say you were um, one of the masterminds of two victories uh, for Obama and uh, in in the second race against uh, Romney, uh, there were times where he was fine uh, in the polls and it uh, it was really up in the air. Uh, what what advice do you have for Biden? I mean, last week I've, there was a piece that I'm sure you saw about how elaborately Trump and his allies are planning for uh, a takeover of the government. Yep. Uh, I referenced it earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when stuff like that happens, why aren't they flooding the zone? I mean, why isn't that something that they're lifting up? Now, in defense of the president, we're in the middle of a hugely painful, consequential, and difficult situation uh, in the Middle East right now, and that's been consuming him. But he has surrogates. I mean, like, why wasn't there an organized effort to really kind of raise that up? He's run ads on uh, the pharmaceutical component of his... Uh, yeah, of Ma- his Medicare uh, can negotiate with on, on yes. certain drugs. And, and Al, you know, you know how long Democrats were fighting for that. And he Huge and victory. it happened. Yeah. So he was right to lift that up. But he missed the other half of the equation, which is that uh, Donald Trump had four years to do anything about that, did nothing. And in fact, the Republicans want to repeal the bill that made that possible. You know, what I mean, turn this into a choice. Every opportunity you get, don't shine the light on yourself, shine the light on the choice. And the opposition. And you can herald your accomplishments in the context of that, but the other half of the equation always has to be in the discussion. Uh, It's Joe Biden who has made popular the old Kevin White adage about uh, don't don't, uh, compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. Boy, is this, uh, you know, is this ever relevant here? Now, I will tell you that Trump will be operating under the same premise, and he'll try and do that. But as of now, 
he's been pretty successful at kind of allowing Biden to sort of have the spotlight himself. So I, I, that's my main thing. And that's sort of what we did in 2011 and 2012. I mean, as you remember, things were not good uh, in 2011. People were still feeling the effects of the uh, recession, even though we were out of the recession. The aftershocks were big. Uh, we had come through that horrific debt ceiling battle that you remember. Obama's numbers were sort of at a nadir in the, er- in the early fall. We kind of assumed from the beginning that Mitt Romney was going to be our uh, opponent. And we knew that we couldn't win a race about if, if it's about who has the experience to run the macro economy. You know, Romney was a financier and he had good bona fides that way. And we changed the race to be about, you know, who's going to fight for the middle class, who's going to fight for you. And and you you showed some of the stuff that his investment banking yeah people we we, we we def, we we defined him and we defined the race early and set it up early and in this case we didn't even have the opportunity Romney still had to go through primaries so we didn't really turn our attention to him until the spring and let me just say parenthetically uh, I think Romney has. Uh, shown himself to be a great American, uh, yep. you know, and I really, and, and he, and Al, he, he and I became friends after that election. You know, I admire him. So this is, I, I don't want to relitigate old campaigns here, but just as a strategic matter, you've got to define the race and you've got to define the opponent. You've got to define the stakes and you've got to define the opponent. We're going to take a break for a moment. We'll be right back. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage in a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation, and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. With, with Trump defining him as dangerous and as a threat to our, our very system of democracy, I think is... The key, or a key, don't you? Absolutely. I think that is a key. Uh, I think you need to do some work on the economic front because uh, right now he's got a huge lead on the economy and who would best handle the economy. And the economy is very much the number one issue on people's minds. And while I, I think that uh, the survival of democracy may 
supersede that in in theory, in practice, and certainly in my mind and in your mind. But in practice, people vote on the on what is impacting on their lives, and uh, so you can't just let him assert that their lives will be better uh, if he returns, and you can't let them sit with gauzy kind of uh, reflections of uh, what they remember of the the economy under uh, Trump without talking about, you know, whose side was he on, really? Uh, You know, I mean, I just, I think you have to engage in some other discussions in addition to the big discussion. And that's a very complicated message to win, isn't it? Well, I think that, you know, it's a tree you have to chop down and you have to take it piece by piece. I think the president's people believe what you said, which is that at the end of the day, the dangerousness of Trump and the threat to democracy will be enough to dissuade people uh, and drive them to Biden. The third party thing worries me because these would be the two least liked candidates for president ever. And and Trump doesn't get over 46 percent. He just doesn't. Right. The question is how close to 46 does he get and and whether these third party options steal some of the votes from Biden. I shouldn't use the word steal in this context, but take some of the votes from Biden that he would otherwise have gotten the grudging. Um, I got concerns about Joe, but I just can't abide Trump. You know, if there is an option for those voters, will they take it? You know, I fear that it's more likely to work in Trump's benefit in uh, than than Biden's, because obviously there are people who can't abide Trump who might vote for Biden. Those people, those people, I worry will will uh, will bleed away. I mean, he's he has a ceiling problem, Trump. Yes. So you lower the ceiling, and you and, and that puts him in play. It puts him in play. And you know, um, the thing that the unmentionable that I mentioned that is screaming out of these polls is the concern about age. And I mean, it was like my, my buddy, Mike Murphy, with whom I do this hacks on tap podcast said, you know, it's like a guy with antlers. It doesn't matter what else he does. People just keep staring at the antlers, (laughs) you know, and this age issue is a, is a, is a real problem. I think you, you wrote the greatest concern is that his biggest liability is the one thing that can't change. Yes. Yeah. And, and that worries me. So it really, it, it just, if the, if the decision is to move forward and I think it is, then you have to recognize that. And, and I think lean into the comparison, don't try and turn it into a report card election. I mean, I think Biden's frustrated because he's not getting his due uh, for leading the country through the pandemic for the ways in which the economy has repaired itself. I don't think they've been sufficient. The way he got shots in people's arms uh, after the Trump people just completely dropped the ball on that and saved a lot of lives. Yes. You know, the age thing has obliterated a lot of that because people, they just don't credit him with being a man of action, even though he's, he in on so many fronts has been, and produced results. But all I'm saying is forget about getting your due. Okay. That history will take care of that. 
just just start running a really, really tough comparative election. You know, you talk about the threats to democracy, Alan, that that should be and the danger of Trump. That's why, like when when you get a story like you got last week to to basically uh, demolish civil service and bring in an army of loyalists to run the government and seek retribution against his enemies, that is sort of at the heart of the matter. But how much amplification did you hear from the Democratic Party? You know, there there is a cartoonish aspect to Trump that they need to be making fun of. Uh, for example, he keeps saying, have you heard this on the stump? Uh, he, he keeps saying, uh, I'm the only one who can uh, prevent World War III. Yeah, yeah. So basically he's saying, if I'm not president, you're you're dead. Not only are you dead, your family's dead. Yeah. And the entire world is So you over. think that's what, hyperbolic? I, it, it's hyperbolic. <laughs> I think it's it's in the crazy area. Yes, crazy I think is is apt here. And 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 there's a really good case, really good case to say this guy cannot be our president. I mean forget the yes, not, uh, let alone the anti-democratic yeah. stuff and let alone Yeah, bring but you in know what? You know what haunts me? You know what haunts me? The old Bill Clinton adage that strong and wrong always beats weak and right. Now, I don't like the implications of that. Uh, you know, I, I don't like I wouldn't give it to people as you know. strong and right is kind of the sweet spot you should shoot for. Uh, but his point is not wrong. If people the, the Republican message, Al, that, that Biden has to defeat is that the world is in chaos and he's not in command. That that's where the race sits now too, too much. The race sits there now. And so. You know, the fear, you know, you have is that people is that people fall into that line of thinking that Trump's an asshole. He's a little nuts, but he's strong. I mean, in the CNN poll that came out Tuesday, one of the numbers that I found really astonishing, and I I think this is how it was phrased, but, you know, they asked about each can qualities of each candidate who is best suited to provide strong leadership in the world. And Trump had a 12 point lead on that. I mean, that is freaking absurd. I asked whether they had been (laughs) polling like Kim Jong-un, but that is just a, that is a surrogate for strength. Right. And, and he, he will say that I will end the war in Ukraine in one day. Yes. And he will say, we didn't have, these problems when I was president. We didn't have, you know, Russia wasn't in uh, Ukraine. Of course they were, but uh, but they hadn't invaded in the way that they did. I mean, you can see what he's going to say. Uh, and uh, it's bullshit. You know, I think that the whole, the, the world, the world is watching this race with trepidation other than perhaps, uh, Xi, I don't even know about the Chinese, you know, but, uh, you know, Putin may be happy. I think he's sort of hanging around hope in this war in Ukraine, hoping to keep the stalemate until Trump can come and rescue him. But I'm just saying this guy has to be contested every day. And yes, he says stupid shit out there every day. You know, he was on the stand here in New York this week and uh, said he didn't 
know about these financial statements from 2021 because he was busy being president and dealing with Russia and China. And the lawyer had to remind him that he wasn't president in 2021. He was president for part of, of January. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, in his mind, he was president then and still president and probably therefore entitled to classified documents. And But the point is, it's he wasn't president. And he says stuff all the time. He, he made if, you know, they the Republicans have made a meme of uh of Biden gaffes and, you know, all of that stuff. But, uh, you know, Trump fill volumes with those. So what ads do you make? How do you respond to this? Well, first of all, I, first of all, I test the ads that I make because you want to make sure that every one of them flies straight and true and hits the target that, you, you know, you're intending and has the impact that you're intending but, you know, I mentioned one, I, I, I would take if in the interest of uh, sort of putting the pill in the applesauce and getting people to swallow it, I would take these Biden accomplishments and contrast them with Trump. I'm not saying there's not time to do some of this, but I think you've got to start setting these discussions up uh, over a long period of time. I, I, I certainly would look into an ad about these stories about his plans. And I think his own words talking about executing, uh, you know, General Milley and some of those things, you know, I would certainly see about. Uh, that was because General that. Milley went to the Chinese, uh, yes. his Chinese counterpart and said, this is after Trump lost the election and said, don't worry, I'm on top of it. If our president yes, wants I mean, to, to attack you, know, you. and and then he said Milley should be executed for that for treason. Yes, yeah, but I mean he says stuff like that all the time. So if your if your storyline is the one you that you know that you propose, Alan, I think is you know a central concern or should be a central concern for people. Then when when things happen at least in targeted ways that create discussion, even if they're viral ads online, you want to go after it. I think, like I said, this is going to be like chopping down a tree and you don't want to start chopping too late. You want to start chopping right from the beginning, setting up uh, comparatives and attacks, you know, and when he gives you opportunities, you need to take them. It seems to me that with what's going on in the Middle East and Ukraine and in the world, that we have a very serious world to deal with. And to draw the contrast with a sober, serious leader and someone who is just off the rails is a a way to go. Yeah, it is. But I would test it because here's the problem you run into. Here's the problem you run into. Um, and, you know, this is the obstacle right now. They have painted the picture and the public has received it uh, or large numbers of people that Biden is not up to this. You can say, well, you got a sober, serious leader. They will say you have a leader who is uh, not aware. I mean, in this CNN poll, 
uh, 25% of people said that Biden had the stamina and sharpness to be president. So, you know, that's their answer to the sober and serious leader thing. So you got to kind of think about, well, how do we defeat that? How do we navigate that? How do we defeat that? And how do you? You, you, now, you you've made ads. Well, that's why this has to be in a comparative uh, frame. I think you can offer, I mean, the guy has a, a host of things that he's gotten done that bespeak action. And, but they can't, but you can't offer them, uh, I think, absent the comparative. And I put everything into a comparative frame, but you can't let that be the issue, I guess is what I'm saying. And Al, I'm not sitting here with uh, reams of uh, research. And so I'm, I can't be prescriptive as to language, but I just, in, in, and, and, and I wouldn't, you know, I mean, as it is, I, I was in this job. Okay. Uh, and He's got really smart people around him. They're they're more than competent. Some some of them are brilliant. Some of, and all of them I've worked with. So I and you know it, there's nothing more irritating when you're in those jobs than badass <laughs> retirees like me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, throwing out uh, you know genius ideas from the sidelines that may or may not have value. I get all that, and that's part of the reason why I've been a little more muted. But Man, I I just have a sense of urgency about this, and everybody should have a sense of urgency Leo. about this, and that's 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 my fundamental message. Well, thanks, David. Uh, thanks for I, I I know you're uh, traveling today, and and uh, thanks for doing me this favor. Well, Al Franken, you are a great American, and you uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. were a great public servant. And you weren't a bad comedian either, by the way, and you still aren't. Uh, and uh, but still not uh, bad. But <laughs> uh, but, but uh, now you were a uh, uh, you, you were a stellar uh, member of the United States Senate, and we were a we be, we every American benefited from your presence there and your passion and your insight and brilliance. Ah, shucks. So I am so I'm honored to uh, I'm honored to be on your podcast. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Spoiler alert, it's neither. At Happy Egg, we believe happiness of the hens is what actually came first. Because without happy hens, there would be no such thing as happy eggs. You know, eggs with delicious orange yolks. Those come from hens who are raised the happy way on eight-plus acres of family-owned farms. Choose happy at happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.